Material Components, Season 2, Episode 36, A Distant Call. Greetings and welcome to Material Components, the actual play RPG show all about a galaxy of magic and the adventurers who live there. I am your humble dragon master, Mike Gargoni, and joining me, as always, are my stalwart adventurers. Hey, adventurers. Thanks for being here. Yeah, welcome. Yeah. Hey, hey, hey. Mm-hmm. Hey, 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 everybody. It's me, Olivia. Um... Yeah, I'm Olivia, and I am playing Florian of Akawar. I'm Elliot, and I am playing Shay. I am Michael, and I'm playing Oswald Octavian Theophilus III. And I'm Reed, and I'll be playing Amari. Indeed. And of course, before we begin today's session, I would like to ask the same question I ask every time, and that is Michael Lisman. Yes. Do you remember what happened last time? I do. We continued our session of fiddling with this sort of planetarium that could also record time and you can look forward and backwards in time. And we used this to find... Call it what it is, a Galactic TiVo. A Galactic TiVo, thank you. Yes, yes. so we used this Galactic TiVo uh, to spy on the attack on Akalar to sort of determine as to whether or not uh, there are any survivors, uh, or at least find any clues as to where they went. We found out that uh, four uh, four members were left just left behind. Um, and so we tracked them and their, their way through this weird dungeon in a giant fallen down tree, uh, and only one survived the entire encounter. And they made it to a local quote-unquote city it's 12 buildings it's a hamlet as we established before the recording uh called berdia and apparently this individual whose name is hardcore hardcore hardcourt 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 thank you <laughs> threw a pen at myself uh has been is now doing community service for this city after oh right i should mention he was um arrested for starting a bar fight and now he's doing community service. We don't know the full extent of that, but we are on our way to find him. And I'm not sure what we're doing with him, but yes. Interrogation? <laughs> Could be. At the very least. Hug. Probably hug. He, he, I think he needs it. Hug it out. Mm -hmm. yeah. 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 We uh, we also had a heart-to-heart -heart with uh, Duma. Um, we've been keeping him in the dark up until this point. So he was worried because we were gone for like a day and a half. And so we're like, it's, we basically told him everything. I don't think we kept anything from Duma, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, you've told him and... about all of your interactions with Aegis Tech Solutions, as well mm -hmm. as the possible connection to that company with your own operations director, Silvaro, who yes. Duma had unfortunately informed that y'all had gone missing for. A brief window of time. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, God, like, okay. imagine her face, though, when she f figures out that we're not actually dead. She's going to be like, fuck. I really want to yeah. see her. We should uh, arrive unannounced and see what she says. That'll end really well for us, I think. Yeah. Uh, it'll be very dramatic. 
Well, I think we should start haunting her first, honestly. Oh, good call. Just mm-hmm. to really kind of twist that knife just a little bit. Yeah. So uh, that's the gist of it. Okay. Oh, I also saw some sort of weird crystalline figure in the recordings of yeah. of the <laughs> galactic TiVo. Who uh, could that have been? Mysteries yeah, abound. The- yeah, and, and there's a word etched into my spectacles, uh, Z-E-N-I-R-V-A. It, I, I can't figure out what it means. Nonsense. Nonsense. Yeah, yeah. TiVo. Yeah. It spells TiVo. Mm. It's a very complicated way to spell TiVo, but yeah. Well, we're in the future now, so who knows? That's, yeah, <laughs> that's how they spell in the future. Mm-hmm. Mm. Poorly. <laughs> As of right now, we come back to Oracle Zero as they have, or are just about to complete their several-day journey from the planet, or moon, of Rathos, where they just made all of these discoveries, to that planet that is at the intro of every episode, Akalar. In fact, planets, as we have discovered, because Akalar is in fact the name of a system that consists of five planetoids in very, very tight orbit around each other, all sharing the same atmospheric sheath. So close, in fact, that there are moments in which independent-minded members of the populations of these worlds can actually leap from one to the other, perhaps with a little jetpack assistance from time to time, but that's how close these planets rotate each other. And it is upon one of these planetoids, the one known as Jaretta, that you witnessed the last stand of several members of the Children of Aetir, as they were left for dead by some of their companions. And it is to there, I assume, that your you and your companions head now. So we pick up with Oracle Zero. No, I think Zero. we should go Zero. somewhere else. I think we should go to Vast Plane. Why? Nothing's happening there. I hear they have good bed and breakfasts there. Yeah, I think we so just many. should. Yeah. Indeed. So we pick up with Oracle Zero now as they make the last of their jumps from the middle of space towards Akalar. So if there are any last minute conversations or things you want to accomplish now is the time not to say that you can't uh, hover in your spaceship above your spaceship the planet above. when you get there so do i in in the midst of um jumping at the end of last episode i mentioned that i sent in a response to the it's probably not actually an email it's probably some other form of communication but the communique that i got um do I do I get a reply to that in turn? Or no? You do not. That tracks. And you don't know if it's just not enough time, if the message hasn't been received in a timely fashion, or if there is some there... other means maybe, by maybe which they're... it's being delayed. Maybe they're just mad at me. <laughs> and um... yeah. Oh, my my only request uh, is that we make sure we get there. And whenever we get there, I want to watch the planets kiss 
at some point. Hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah. Florian yeah. will be like, yeah, we can absolutely do that. It's like really fucking cool. Sweet. Cool. That's it. That's all I want. As Amari a player, says that's all out loud. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Amari's like, no, I want to see the plants kiss. Can you make I, that happen? Yeah, Florian? Yeah, hey, uh, hey, Florian, can you, can you make the planets kiss for me? <laughs> Thanks. Oh, well, the planet. I don't make, I don't make them. You don't make them kiss. Know. They just they get real close. <laughs> yeah, can you make them kiss for me, please? I need this. <laughs> this Florian doesn't does. Happen. <laughs> Florian does actually have like one of the things he he would have brought with him is like actually like a little old fashioned farmer's almanac that has like a section that's just like when do the planets kiss. I mean, you're like you're you're the Minotaur, right? Just make the planets kiss. It's <laughs> like a, I can do it. Yeah. Yep. Do you yeah. have like a, a tide chart, but for planet kissing. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Cool. 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 They call it the smooch. <laughs> they do now. Yeah. Fortunately, this big smooch. smooch can destroy tidal patterns and absolutely yeah. ruin cities if <laughs> left mm-hmm. unchecked. Yeah, just like in real life. Yeah, just like in real life. Indeed. Yeah, on our, our way to Aklar, I would also like to, I guess, bring up to the group and then do it. But um, <laughs> uh, so Duma checked in with Mr. Zinn, and now we seem to be in. I think a pretty interesting window of time between Director Silvaro thinking that maybe we've been taken care of or that we are not going to be a problem anymore and finding out that we are in fact going to continue to be a problem on purpose. Should we maybe check in with him again and ask him if there's something we can take advantage of here or if we should just continue on as uh, or do some good protocol? Now, we were not approached by uh, uh, Zim because we followed protocol well. Uh, Surprisingly a good point from Oswald. Uh, Thank you. I say we send out the message. Amari tries. I I, I mean, like, so this is to contact Zim, right? Not anyone else? Yeah, no, just just Specifically then. Yes. Okay. And you, and this isn't me trying to get like meta or anything, but you can't just send Zin a ping through the astral sea, right? That's not a thing you can do. Yet. I don't yeah, know. I, I, don't, I, I don't, I don't know. I, the, I'm I, waiting I, for Mike to shake his head or not. Okay. okay. Last, okay. last yeah. episode, I think you actually asked that, Elliot. Okay. I was sick. I don't remember anything that happened. That's fair. <laughs> Your your wizardly powers are not quite at that echelon that you might be yeah. able to do that. Maybe one day. Maybe one day. Maybe one day. Zen could probably send me a message through the astral sea. Maybe. But not the other way around. So? Yeah. I think we would... I, I, I don't know else feels to send that message. Sorry, Olivia. We lost most of that. Ah, yeah. shit. Sorry. Um... <clears throat> Florian would probably nominate Shay to, like, it would just, it would make sense if Shay was the one who, like, actually composed and sent the message. But yes. Yeah. 
Shay, if you're not feeling up to it, I'm certain that I can be an adequate um, substitute. Um, no, because I, I think what I want to do actually is uh, encrypt it, like do my best encryptions on it so that, you know, if somebody does happen to see it, then they'll be less, uh, have less inclined to uh, break into it. But I know that Mr. Zinn can just pop through it, no problem. So yeah. I don't have to like hold back or anything. Would you like some assistance with uh, with that? The crafting of the words. Well, let me well, see the really quick how God feels about how easy it is to get rid of conditions. Oh, right. Well, you've had some downtime, so mm-hmm. whatever conditions you gathered in the last little stretch of this mission, you've managed to recover from those. Okay. I'm not going to have you walk into Akalar with conditions on your person. That would be very cruel, considering what you're in for. I mean, it's fine. Wait, (laughs) what? And also, like, if I if I had a migraine for three weeks straight, I would probably need to see a doctor. (laughs) Yeah, right. But no, yeah. Any Um, conditions you've gained on Rafas are cleared at this point. Okay. I assume we regain our uh, aether pool as well. Some of you do. See, that's the problem. I do not. Uh, how many how many aethite crystals did you bring? <laughs> uh, you also have like a whole ship of stuff. Well, that's yeah, what I mean. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, like, gonna wreck a fucking sensor. It's fine. Yep. Well, okay, let's pretend this is happening in character because um Florian, you, it's not it you know what? I'm just gonna, I can't get into this. Yeah, just like, rip it out of the, you know, just like, zoop, right out of the wall. I don't that's even... The, that's the sound it makes, zoop. <laughs> I don't even have time to explain to you why you're wrong. <laughs> Actually, it's going to bother me, so... <laughs> Shay goes into a very in-depth <laughs> explanation of how Aether systems are connected to each other. <laughs> Florian spends Florian spends the whole lecture just like kind of sketching Shay in a notebook like as they're gesturing about it turns out independent ship systems are not as independent as one might think based on that description alone (laughs) no Florian you cannot just eat parts of the ship that's not okay Florian shrugs he's like meh all right. So that being said, what are you doing to go about sending a message to Mr. Zinn? Uh, I am going to. We still we have like a lot. We brought like a lot, a lot of batteries, right? You did. Yeah. So I'll like grab three of the personal ones that have like a single ether in them, mm-hmm. uh, and I will use those, and I will send a message to Mr. Zinn. Kind of hack it. Okay, so you're trying to send by reverse hacking message. it. Yes, I'm sending an encryption. Okay. And Oswald, you're helping with this encryption. I have a DA in cryptography. Okay. Well, that seems perfectly appropriate to the situation. Yeah. In fact, uh, it, it it is one of the manners that of how we implement information into the. Uh, uh, the archive without, you know, <laughs> too much of uh, a lot of the information from the archive is is 
comes from nefarious illicit sources. sources. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. So, you know, they got to look out for their employees. All right. Well, since this is archive information, I'm going to use my kind of like creepy dope little cloud dice for Oswald's. Very good. Help. Very good. Uh, it was a three. So, you know, could be better, could be worse. Yeah. Oswald's just below average health. That tracks. Yeah. That tracks. Ooh. He's kind of good at a lot of things. Ooh, and I, my tactic die was a 10. 10 out nice. of 10. I'm very clever. Mm. Okay, so that is 15, 19, 20, 21. 21. You feel as though this message is getting to Mr. Zinn and Mr. Zinn alone, and if anyone else intercepts it, they're going to have a very big headache over trying to crack this information. Awesome. Now. Oswald, you're helping out with this with some archive encryptions? Or something so basically, similar? something similar, yeah. Okay. And in that case, what message are you sending to Mr. Zinn? Oh, perfect timing. Huh, weird. <laughs> weird how that works. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, uh, I was about to say, well, the same thing that I just said earlier, but Cole wasn't here for that, so... Uh, <laughs> I will repeat. Oh, <laughs> Hello. Um, Mr. Zen is listening. Uh, we know that Duma checked in with you uh, while we were gone. And he did wait for us, thankfully. He also got in touch with Operations Director Silvaro, sent her a message saying that we were missing. So I think that we're in an interesting window of opportunity here. The Proctor knows that we are alive, but we've asked him not to tell anyone else. So do you have any suggestions? Is there something that we could do to get ourselves an advantage here? Or And you send this encrypted message off, not necessarily expecting a immediate response, seeing no. as you're out in the middle of... Uh, fuck all nowhere space this mm -hmm. message has to bounce bounce through several comm relays to even get where it's going and who knows what mr zinn is up to when the message gets to him so you are a little taken aback when almost immediately a small semi-transparent hologram displays itself on your communications equipment you didn't even know it could do this Mm -mm. One moment, I'm just getting my bearings. Right, I'll be back with you presently. And the small version of Mr. Zinn just disappears. And then 30 seconds later, uh, a much larger version of Mr. Zinn just appears in the room. Ah. Uh, still translucent, um, but not seemingly from any projection equipment or anything like that. The well, lights maybe seem a little dimmer. Hmm. Well, that's interesting. I start poking the hologram. That's very rude. Uh, just curious what... what? Don't mind me. Hmm? <laughs> Sorry, uh, everyone. Um... I know this is probably odd. I'm astral projecting right now. Ah, 
Yes. Mm. Wow. Oh, yeah. I skipped that day, too. Maybe I wouldn't have even graduated. Is the nice elf man a ghost right now? Oh, Duma! Hello. Hello, Mr. Zin. Oh, and um, we have let Duma in on some more stuff, so feel free to just... He is up to speed. Yeah. Oh, good. I I was meaning to say that you should make sure he's up to speed. He is a vital member yeah. of your team and all. Yeah. We, oh, yes. Yes. We had, a, we had a talk. We had a talk. Yeah. That's good. That's good. Uh, so, there were some hurt feelings, and I think we've moved past that. Right. All right. Well, um, why don't you bring me up to speed? Oh, and I should say that um, uh, Zin is not in a suit right now. Uh, Zin is in what looks like a t-shirt and slacks. Okay. Uh, there is a uh, kind of an, uh, a vague outline of uh, design on the t-shirt of a gorilla standing next to a very large rectangular like sword. Oh, god damn it. And that took me a second. Fuck. Oh shit, that's from my favorite show. You watched that too. Gonna drink my tea. That arc, that arc was so business. good. Oh man, Crawl as the gorilla is so fucking funny. I kind of wish he stayed as the gorilla. I, I felt like it was really going somewhere narratively. But, uh... Stories move on. It happens. Yes. yes. Anyway, um, so why don't you uh, bring me up to speed? And uh, Mr. Zen just sits down on nothing. Well, haven't you been listening to the episodes? Um, uh, no. It's your current so... situation. <laughs> uh, I guess this is, though, a question for Cole. Like, how much do we need to go over, like, in the episode for you? I don't know what you have just been doing, or I haven't listened to today's episode, or okay. uh, what I'm assuming would be the next episode that you've recorded for next week, unless this is that one. This is, in fact, that. This is that one. Time yeah. yeah. Got yeah. it. Okay. Yeah. I'm up to date with map, sh with map shenanigans. Okay. Uh, yes. So we basically just finished more map shenanigans. Got it. Um, okay. Part we, deux. yeah, we, yeah, map shenanigans, part deux. Uh, so we're on our way to Akalar, is the plan. Okay. Um, and basically the end of last episode was us getting back to the ship and Duma being like, I felt you guys were dead. Um, and, yeah. So Mr. Zinn is brought back up to speed in terms of your interactions with a God's Tech Atlas, the ways in which you used it to find information about the whereabouts of the children of Aetir, and specifically finding one of their number still alive on Akalar a scant few weeks ago at least. You were able mm -hmm. to track their movements to the city of Berdia, and it is there that you hope to find this member of the children of Aetir in order to interview them <laughs> yeah about the whereabouts of his former comrades yeah i'm sure he's not too pleased about being left behind so we maybe have some purchase there it's very good thinking 
I don't, I, I personally don't have this information, but uh, Duma had sent Zin a message. Yeah. Duma had sent Zin a message informing him of the situation. And due to information given to Zin by the Arch Proctor, uh, Zin relayed that Duma should wait. That the team known as Oracle Zero would reemerge. But then information was also relayed back to Storm Suppose that that may not be the situation. The message sent to the Storm's Repose to Operations Director Silvaro was that the team was missing. And as of right now, that information has not been countermanded. So, at least according to everything Oracle Zero knows... Operations Director Sovaro is unaware that they're back in action. All right. Um, the first thing that uh, Zin would say is uh, he'd ask the specific location of the God's Tech Ruin, world yeah, that okay. it's on, all that, um, and uh, uh, make some hand gesture, conceivably like, taking down a note or something like that. This is an amazing find. Um, honestly, a little at a loss uh, that you were able to interact with such a uh, incredible piece of technology. Um, sites abandoned, uh, you said. Um, yeah, it seems that no one has come back for anything or I don't know it seems like maybe no one plans to at the moment at least not at least not above board well if I have anything to say about it I'll be making sure that no one does oh yeah like this is I, I'm surprised that the children of A tier haven't been back for it to keep using it to find stuff like does raise the question of whether or not it was active, if how how it became active. Um, well, we're we mean we're assuming that it they used it to find the other pieces of God's tech that they've taken. At least that was my assumption. I don't know. If yes, but people that were there studying it. Oh yes, the college college the the researchers if it college of yagrash i believe i can send out some uh feelers and and try and uh ascertain um what their research was yielding but i'm very curious as to if they had access to this um or if it activated some point uh, between the children of A-tier arriving, or if they did something. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm very curious about the matter, but this is for another day. That's a cool map. Yeah. Oh, yes. Interesting. I hope one day to see it. Hopefully the Archproctor will allow me to visit it one day. Beside the point, I think the plan of going to Akalar and interviewing uh, these possibly uh, former... 
Harcourt, his name is. Harcourt. Only okay. one survivor, unfortunately, but... Uh, yeah. That is unfortunate, but there is a survivor. Yes. I, I completely agree that you should go and interview this survivor. Um, you being dead, as far as the storm's repose is concerned, is an interesting wrinkle. Or missing in action. Yeah. You being so far removed from the storm's repose, they don't have the ability to send out a, uh, a, a searching a, a search party uh, or really uh, put any meaningful effort into finding you right now. Uh, it would notify the head office that a team had been lost, but I think under the circumstances, no one would be able to come looking for you Right away, so no one would be able to verify whether or not you had been lost. Going rogue. My. Her. More rogue. My thought was less of keeping. less the storm's repose and the coal foundation on the whole. Not as concerned about that, but more concerned with. Director Silvaru's specific actions following this news. Yes, I will be monitoring that quite okay. closely. Might might be a way to draw her out, make her tip her hand. Could we act in some way? You may act in some way that's uh, out of the ordinary, or perhaps your disappearance will be a happy accident and she will be able to return to what all indications uh, uh, give the appearance of a blissfully unimportant life within her house. <laughs> Could make Aegis re uh, relax, though. I mean, that would be preferable. Unfortunately for them to continue to be relaxed, when it comes to you, you would have to remain dead as far as yeah. they're concerned. Though well, this... the, I mean, for a little while we can play that, I, mm. since we'll be on a planet that they don't have, to my knowledge, any influence over. If they have influence on Akalar, I'm not aware of it, uh, but it doesn't mean that not there in at least some capacity, even if it is just a sales representative. They're there to watch the planets kiss. <laughs> Stranger things have happened. <laughs> I believe that until your current mission is complete, it may be advantageous to continue the charade that you are no longer with us. Okay. It presents a very interesting scenario where Operations Director Silvaro is upon your return. When you get back to the Storm's Repose, yes, it's, it's, it's the right time. You get back to the Storm's Repose, I want you to flip Operations Director Silvaro. Like flip her off? No. No. I want you to make her into an asset. Oh, oh. okay. Oh. 
Damn. Hmm. Uh, yeah, I uh, guess we can try. This is the perfect <laughs> opportunity. She will have reported your deaths. And if you move swiftly enough and quietly enough, she will not get a chance to inform them otherwise. Yes. Now, cultivating an agent is no small task. I'm sure you're, you all have some conception of that. Uh, it requires building trust or leverage, incredible leverage. I mean, you know, with Kala, we kind of, yeah, that was hard. This whole team is just dumb as a box of rocks. Like, uh, uh, how do we we flip an agent? But we do have leverage. We have a lot of information about uh, uh, that family. Do we not? I mean, it's true. It'll just depend on, you know, if that's something we can actually leverage against her or if she'll just say, okay, I'm going to double down on killing you. I mean, we'll what would be the easiest a... way is leverage any specific information against her to then get her family to potentially dis like remove her from the family. It's going to put a big hitch in all of her plans. Oh, we don't want her removed from the family. No, no, we don't want that. And I'm sure she doesn't want that. Could be a, a, a useful avenue to pursue. I mean, Thank you. the thing about Imperial Houses is that they hate a scandal. Mm. Is true. Is very true. And a scandal of this magnitude um, be very interesting. To say the least. Mm. Foundation Mr. Zinn kind of straightens himself for a minute as some it's like a almost a wash of realization comes over him. Cole Foundation would not would not allow such a scandal come to pass. Because it could lead to a house war. Hmm. House war. Wait. And that would cause untold destruction. So, what is the alternative then? Or is that the point? Should you play your hand, should we play our hand in attempting to turn Silvaro with this leverage? And her loyalties do truly lie more with her family and outside of it, then this could potentially spark conflict within the Conus Empire that could have ramifications across the whole of the galaxy. Such a conflict... (laughs) You've been dealing with the fallout from the last conflict, major conflict that the Conus Empire had, and that was when they worked as a unified front I don't want to imagine living through another civil war. So what do you recommend? Uh, 
that you be very careful and like any team that do what you think is best At the end of the day i am not there with you i'm not on the ground making decisions can point you in the right direction but you have to decide whether or not it's worth it this goes the wrong way it could go very wrong go very right i hope it's the latter i would try and flip her do it I'd leverage the information but that's me i've been out the game a long time i would try it we're all Is new to it any additional information that you have on silvaro or the family or anything that you can provide us pose there might be information in the data cam I've been looking through. I could narrow my search to the Savaro family specifically. Control F. Yes, exactly. Could work. Um, I can potentially lend you aid where that's concerned. Um, can ask information team to assist in that remotely but it's a question of whether you want that information spread around and how much you trust me and how much you trust other people that work with me i mean none of us know who the people working with you are so does that that's not i'm already saying that so i'm just putting that out there yeah, I think the silence is probably sort of pointed. Yeah. Then I suggest you started on finding what information that data cache can offer. Yes. Maybe you'll find something that takes away some of the danger from the situation. Could be. I'll, I'll keep an eye out for it. Look for, look for coordinates. Look for um, uh, proper nouns. Um, look for timestamps. Um, these are uh, hallmarks that, that could get you somewhere. Um, could potentially find other locations. You could potentially find uh, a pattern of comings and goings whether or not there will be any actionable information in there i i can't say from the brief amount that i was able to look at it it looked like near raw project data yes it's difficult um it, it is not an easy thing to sift through i i should say and uh sort of turning it into a, a easily digestible uh, amount of information is, is it has been difficult but I will is it in pure code and is the code recognizable how how is the data specifically displayed uh, 
great question. Mike, how is the data specifically displayed? Python. Mm. Oh, no. I mean, it's it, it, weird. Weird. It is, it is weird because it is encrypted in such a way. Imagine like wingdings in its raw form. Oh, God. <laughs> Oof. But at least it's not Comic Sans. No, I'm. Wonder. Don't know if this will do it. But try working in. Try treating the encryption as if it's in hexadecimal. Uh, they are they are doing something with the Fey. And in the right circles, it's well known that G code is in hexadecimal. So potentially data is encrypted along those lines. I will I will do my best. Thank you for the suggestion. Hope it helps really do we we shall see so you saw the past oh yes i suppose we mentioned that yes when you um fiddle around with that uh uh, tivo as it were uh, i suggest being careful with that fourth axis it was uh bracing jarring i can only imagine yes there's an alert from the bridge and duma says we are coming up on akalar Coming out of warp soon. Oh. Oh, God. That's right. I haven't been in the tank. Oh, that's not good. <laughs> yeah, we're in warp right now. I kind of, like, sent the message, and then I was going to go to the tank and go lie down, and then you came back. Oh. I kind of, like, look at Shay. It's like... I don't understand how you're still vertical at this moment. I mean, it's very hard. I feel very ill. Like I'm gonna, like I'm gonna yorts. <laughs> I don't know that I've ever done this into a warp before. Hmm. We're all learning something today. Yes. Something yeah. I I would have endeavored to never have learned. Anyway, uh, T well, minus twenty coming... seconds. Oh. I'll let you go, um, because I don't know what will happen when my projected mind exits the warp, and yeah, I'd rather not find good. out. Hmm. Mm, good call. Yeah. I uh, don't want my mind in an extra-dimensional space. I. As we all wave bye to the pleasure. Yeah, sure. <laughs> bye bye. Toodles. As Mister Zinn disconnects. The representative of the Cole Foundation, leaving you to your own devices yet again. You feel that lurching pull as the Tiresian is shifted out of the void. You feel that lurching sensation, and Shay, this is one of the first warps you've experienced in recent days where you haven't been isolated from it in some way, shape, or form. I haven't been in my tank. Being outside of the the navigator's hold, albeit a, a smaller primitive one you have aboard this ship, is an experience in and of itself. You've heard other wizards describe this sensation, like space trying to worm its way into your faculties. 
like whatever it is out in the void attempting to writhe its way into your sensations and pull like frayed harp strings at your mind what shocks you isn't the sensation itself what shocks you is the fact that it doesn't feel the way you've heard it described as you exit the warp as you feel the void slipping away there isn't this plucking at your feelings at your consciousness there isn't this snapping of wires this fraying of tension it is a caress a motion of soft silken sensation that pulls itself across your etheric senses like a sheet being pulled off of you from the bottom of the bed by an unseen hand. You feel it slipping across your senses. What strikes you isn't a sensation that feels bad. What strikes you is the sensation that feels good. Oh no, that's worse! I'm gonna get addicted to jumps! You don't think it should feel like this what it does uh, uh you you doing okay over there upsettingly weren't you supposed <laughs> to be in the tank i was supposed to be in the tank and i did feel not super great but i think maybe that was more nerves than anything because hmm, well i lived so And Duma announces to the bridge where you all are and have had this conversation that, I mean, it's not over intercom. He's just turning and talking at all of you. Sawspot <laughs> still looks around like there's someone. <laughs> I mean, technically, everyone is above you, I suppose. So. Yeah. So he's just kind of, you yeah. uh, But yeah, he announces you are only a couple of parsecs away from Akalar. The travel buoy has left you about an hour out from the planetoids, and you are now at the edge of the Northern Reach. This sector of space is weird, and Akalar is a prime example of that. The five planetoids moving around each other like a kaleidoscopic uh, orrery, if you know what that is. Um, it's a planetoid model that is meant to like orbit around each other, but it's all the same metal contraption. And this looks similar in the way it moves and rotates around each other, always just missing as the planets move around each other in this weird juggling act never quite getting close enough to kiss place sucks <laughs> <laughs> the planetary smooches never quite get there it's chased oh, no it's so the, the tension that's what makes it dramatic the anticipation it's all, all foreplay this entire solar system it's terrible no it's good we all know the the, the romantic subplot can never resolve itself because that's how you get the last couple of seasons of Bones. Come on. 
Yeah. Ugh, yeah. <laughs> I watched way too much of that show. We all did, Elliot. We all we did. All, we, <sighs> all, we all did. Ray, you're the lucky one. I watch TV. But <laughs> the strangeness of this sector of space becomes very apparent as you're drawing close to Aklar, as you see one of the great wonders of the Dragon's Wake galaxy. And it's something you've all read about and know about, and probably have even seen pictures and video of. And that is the Cold Black Tower. This immense superstructure in the Northern Reach is visible from any point within Xi space, within the Northern Reach. Here at the edge, you can just see glimpses of it. In this strange astral phenomenon in which, regardless of where you are in that sector of space, you can always see this intergalactic object. No one is quite sure exactly where it is in space, but due to some strange bit of refracted, who knows, it's not light, but this superstructure, this immense dark obelisk is visible if you are in this sector of space. All one must do is look towards a specific region of the sky. In this particular instance, you're looking towards the galactic northwest, if you want to put it in that sort of parlance. And if you're looking out into the stars, what you see isn't so remarkable unless you know what you're looking at. But it is a sliver of the space of the heavens that is just gone. Light doesn't go through it. Light doesn't move around it. It is just a long, dark sliver of nothing. And it serves as a cardinal navigation point in this area of space though one that you can only rely on from the edges of the sector. Because once you get closer and closer into the middle of the Northern Reach, things becoming stranger and stranger as they are warped by Xi technology and the realms of the Metafei bleeding over into this real space. Well, spacer lore holds that none have ever reached the tower. Sounds like a challenge to me. I, I imagine, too, it's like a, uh, there's some, like, Will-o'-the-Wisp um, kind of, le like, urban legendy things, like stories in this sector of, like, ships following the tower and then getting too far into she-space and going missing. Absolutely. One of the oldest such is an elvish legend, in fact, of what is called an elvish mothership that went missing out in that sector, trying to find the cold black tower. Elvish motherships are of note because they're rarely ever built or formed. What's unique about elvish astrology or astronavigation is that a lot of their ships are modular. They can come together and fit together to create larger and larger vessels, much like the clans that the elves are made of. Their ships are designed to do the same thing. An elvish mothership comprises of any formation larger than what can hold one 
billion elves. It is effectively a big. Yeah, it's huge. Uh, How many football fields? All of them. Okay. All right. Cool. I just yeah, you have to put it in into sports ball uh, for me to understand. <laughs> Ray it. doesn't uh-huh. get it. No, Reed doesn't get it. It's effectively like a Death Star sized construction. It's enormous. And one of the early ones that was built or coalesced went out to try to find the cold black tower and never returned. And there are plenty of stories on this area of space and Florian, you would be aware of some of these that like on nights when you can see the cold black tower, those are nights when you don't want to be outside. Uh, I think in a little bit of the same way that in the last uh, episode before last that Florian like really balked at even seeing a, a, an image of big tree, like because it's, it's, it was such a huge like part of their like upbringing and it's like you don't go near big tree like you don't even you don't even like go to the place where it might be um i think that in you know whatever dorm house it was resolved uh there's a lot of like staying up late and telling spooky stories um and i think a lot of them are probably about uh, the Black Tower and specifically stories about the, the elf, elven mothership. So I think in a little bit of the same way that Florian was really taken aback a couple episodes ago, Shay is like it's real? <laughs> yeah. That elvish mothership had a name by the way. This ghost ship. It was called Obelisk. It was named such because it went in search of the cold Black Tower. Mm-hmm. And it never came back. I mean, that's just asking for trouble. Like that's that's hubris to that's like, that's fucking the saying the Titanic's unsinkable. Well, what do we know about the Dragon's Wake? It is a place where stories echo, and so now too have Oracle Zero come to this place, Akalar. Florin, you see your home in the distance. I was going to say, um, I was going to say this anyway, but uh, I think that as soon as it's visible, there is a sort of, um, it's not quite like little kid pressed up against the, you know, school bus window, but it is a little bit like, I mean, it's been years since Florian's been home. So I think it, there, there's a little bit of that just like. What strikes you immediately about Akalar, despite the fact that it is five planetoids orbiting, what? Uh, how many stars are in this solar system, Olivia? Uh, I I don't know. I didn't think about it. Um, there's there. I mean, there's got to be more than one, or else there would be like eternal night on some of these. I think, um, but. Let's say two. Let's just say two. And what's fascinating about this binary system is that the stars orbit each other at a wide berth. As opposed to a lot of binary systems where the suns are relatively close together and the, at least on a (laughs) 
galactic scale level and the planets orbit beyond that gravity sink. What makes Akalar doubly interesting is the fact that it is between these two stars that orbit it, like the nucleus of a cell with orbiting electrons and protons around it. You have this kind of ball of balls, <laughs> five planetoids orbiting around each other. And in their outer proximity, you have these two suns orbiting each other, but also orbiting Akalar itself. There are planetary bodies beyond that nucleus in this system, but for the most part, they are either enormous gas giants, one of which is very close in. You think this was probably close to becoming a trinary system, but the third star couldn't quite get there, and so just became a gas giant. There are colder, empty planetoids on the outer edges of this system, but Akalar is where the population centers and life is in this place. That in and of itself is a bit odd. The f idea that there would be five planetoids orbiting each other in the center of a binary system makes little to no sense on like a planetological physics level. What's happening here shouldn't happen. Galileo basically. is pissed. Absolutely. <laughs> he's also dead. Dead as hell. Yeah. Somewhere he's shaking his fist going, no, it makes no sense. And to Galileo, the fairy queens scoffed. <laughs> to Galileo, the fairy queen said, what if my wife orbits, or what if your wife orbits my dick? <laughs> that does sound like a thing Titania would say, yes. Shout out to Kate Beaton for that comment. <laughs> <laughs> but it is clear that there is fey meddling in this place based solely on the organization of this solar system. Just unnatural, the way this is put together. The other unnatural thing that you pass on the way in is the fact that several of the dead planetoids, the just like your Plutos, your, uh, your Uranuses, they are strangely geometric in shape. One that you pass that is conical in nature. It's point directed straight towards the center as though it is pointing the way to the center of this system. One is shaped like a large ziggurat. It's base wide and square and kind of jagging up in stairs in a way. And this is on a planetary level. Just odd formations. You would say they are artificial, but they look too raw, too old. They also are too colorful. The bright blues on a empty world don't make sense. The emblazoned scarlet on some dappled dots within a gas giant. Too bright, too loud. You don't know what elements would create such colors. I mean, you do know, some of you, who have a bent towards science. It's atheum. This place is pulsing with power. 
even as the Tiresian flies into this system, you can see the lights in your ship are a little brighter. The systems and the consoles glow a little bit louder. This whole system is just thrumming with aether. I'm going to eat so much of this. <laughs> That's what you should be doing, yep. It's natural aether. <laughs> it's organic. <laughs> Free range. Literally. <laughs> It's good for you. <laughs> so yeah, you are making your approach to Aquilar. You have five choices of where to go. My I mean, we goodness. should go to Sharetta and fi- try to find Harcourt. Yes. Yes. This is... Uh... I, I meant to say that in character. <laughs> well, you did. Because uh, we accept it in character. Uh... This is quite a system you grew up in, Florian. Very interesting. It's beautiful. Uh, oh, I know. Uh, and to Oswald, he'll kind of just like shrug a big shoulder and uh, I mean yeah, I, I mean, I know now that it's kind of odd, but mm. never really seemed that way to me. Has anyone visited those odd-shaped planets or planetoids? Uh, Mike, I assume the answer is yes. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's a couple of you know, there's some mining corporations have tried to there's a there. yes, yeah. Hmm. It's pretty well explored as the system goes. Very interesting. Lovely, lovely planetary system. It's, uh, yes, excellent. Thank you, I made it myself. (laughs) Well, that's well done, being from here, I guess. I don't know. I'm just from a spherical planet, so less impressive. Yes. I mean, I'm I'm from a spherical planet, too, and I'll kind of, like, point at Akbar, which are all spheres. So you set your you tell Duma to head to Jaretta. Yeah, I mean, might as well get down to business for here. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm assuming you have a particular destination in mind. Are you heading straight to Berdia? I think so. We didn't get any indication of what he was doing. You stopped watching before you got outside yeah. the sheriff's office, yeah. Then I yeah, figured we, I figured we could just talk to the sheriff. Exactly. Yeah, I'm gonna laugh so hard if it's one of those things where like, I, I guess this seems like a Western trope to me, where like, oh yeah, we saw last time we heard of this guy, he was doing community service, and now it's a few weeks later, and the sheriff is dead, and now he's the sheriff. Just like, <clears throat> yeah, he died, and everyone was like, hey, do you want to be the new sheriff? And I was like, I guess. <laughs> I was here. I was here. What's the so. Pay? It's really good. Exactly. It's really good. <laughs> huh, weird. Hmm. All right. So you set a course for Berdia, the small township on the backside of Jaretta, the closest place to the big tree, or at least the closest patch of civilization. There might be steaders out in them, their woods. 
old man Johnson just living in the woods. <laughs> what a freak. People would be more angry if he didn't clean up all the litter people left behind. Yeah. <laughs> There's just like just like literal John Muir walks out from among the trees. <laughs> Back in the war. Oh, which war would that be? You know damn well which you know war. Damn which war. <laughs> <laughs> As you fly down and into the midst of this binary star system. Duma is definitely gripping the controls a little bit harder than he would otherwise. There's no gripping of controls. It's not like there's a flight yoke on this thing. He is it's a large ship as opposed to your little shuttle. So he's directing flight the way people on like a a, a larger ship do. You have like courses that you lay in and math that you have to do to figure out exactly mm -hmm. the angle in which you're doing. So he is pressing buttons and adjusting making course adjustments as you go and it seems like he is particularly focused on this. It seems like there's some very strong gravity that's fighting him and he'll shoot Florian a glance like is this normal? Florian's like yeah, I mean, well, you're you're not going to run into uh probably ain't going to run into any patrols or anything cuz usually when ships try to land without permission, they just crash into the surface of the planet. I probably should have said that beforehand. <laughs> we were doing so yeah. good about talking about trust. You think? <laughs> oh, it's been how many days since we haven't told Duma something? Somebody, somebody I reset the counter. <laughs> reset the counter. Zero days since we're falling from Duma. <laughs> Duma's a good pilot. It's fine. And as you say that, the whole of the ship kind of rocks to one side. <laughs> You have that Star Trek, like, uh We're all holding <laughs> onto furniture, you know? And Duma will shoot another quick glance and then just shrug and go, okie dokie, and <laughs> making more quick adjustments. Duma is a good pilot, and you make it through the gravity sink of Akalar's sons. The first of many reasons why folk don't necessarily come to Akalar. As you make your way into the planetary body that is Akalar, the thing you notice is the weird shimmer that surrounds all the planets. As they're moving and rolling around each other. From a distance, it does look like they're kind of just like rolling over each other. It's only once you get closer do you see that there is miles and miles and miles of distance between the planetoids. It's it's probably like watching video of like planets about to crash into each other. Like it probably gives that sensation of like, oh my god, there's no way that these aren't going to be like just completely destroyed. And then they, yeah, as you get closer, you're like, oh, okay, no, it's fine. 
Mm-hmm. And it's mesmerizing to watch from a distance. In fact, I have found the the literal perfect. Oh, great! Yeah. As you you watch it, there is this uh, moment where you're just like, "Oh, I don't like." It's almost upsetting to watch. Uh, <laughs> they're not moving at this exaggerated speed uh, but they are rolling around each other in a way that makes you just kind of like oh they that shouldn't happen with planets that's not how they move and function they're kissing too much <laughs> yeah that, that that's not just kissing that's happening there <laughs> um yeah, uh, and and I mean, I think the weird thing too is that like they're also not all like spherical, right? So just imagine all of, that all of these just, planetoids yeah. are. Yeah. Oh, yeah. those ones are all okay, but the ones outside of that are the weird ziggurat and conical yeah. shaped ones. Okay. Yeah. 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 There are so, planets are in this for... this this solar system. Sixty five. What? Uh, it's a grand total of nine. Okay. Yeah. You've got the five uh, planetary bodies that make up Akalar proper, and then there's the gas giant, a couple of weird-shaped ones, and a long-forgotten extraplanetary body beyond the Kuiper belt. Uh, I'd like to make a motion to name it. I'd like to call it Snackalar. <laughs> Long-forgotten like Snackalar. Yeah, it's Snackalar, and it's your last stop. Uh, it's like the extra mile before you go out of the system. <laughs> There's just a gas station on it, and that's it. We gotta stop off on Snackalar for on our way out of the system. Mm-hmm. I'll um, spend XP for, on this. For, I'll do it. For uh, just size reference, the the five planets. I think I sent this to Mike. They're about Pluto sized. Mm-hmm. Like I said, planetoids is probably the correct term for each individual one. And as you're growing close, Duma is kind of eyeballing the planets and says, Okay, which one is the the one with big tree on it? Uh just Almanac. Um and I will direct Duma to the to Jaretta, like using that i'm assuming that uh, like like i said florian's not a pilot but i am assuming that this is something that like you kind of grow up knowing how to how to read like a a chart to figure out which planet is where at any given time because it would really suck if you didn't know how to do that yeah and it's not quite as dramatic as straight up color coding but there are differences between the biomes on these different planetoids yeah Jaretta uh, does stand out because of the sheer amount of woodlands that exists on the planet Jaretta is basque for the wooded place (gasps) run out that planet then couldn't be that the others also have distinguishing features that I leave to Olivia to <laughs> figure out this is her home world after all. So, Snackalar. Snackalar. There's no Snackalar. On the God. way out of, out of town is Snackalar. But the five planetary bodies of Akalar 
damn i'm gonna slip one of these days and call this shit snack alarm damn you read <laughs> you're well <laughs> worse technically i mean there's there's this place is a place of abundance and you know like tons of resources so technically they're all snack that's true okay but, motion to rename the system snack motion denied moving on as we are <laughs> moving towards Jureta, it is notable for the, the sheer amount of green on its surface. What makes this particular planetoid unique is the almost total lack of an ocean that is visible. There are oceans on Jureta. There's at least two. But there are massive trees growing up out of that ocean. So there's a canopy that blocks the view of most of the planet from orbit. The deep root seas of Jareta are wild, horribly dangerous places that most people don't go to. But abundant with resources, as you say. Moving towards that planetoid, Duma has to work pretty hard to avoid, like you said, crashing into one of the other worlds. It takes some fancy flying to navigate through the other planetoids and make an approach vector that is safe towards one of five orbiting planetary bodies. But he manages. And as you start sweeping over the absolutely bonkers big canopy of Jareta, you get a sense for just how densely wooded this place is and also gives you some real perspective on just how big big tree was if trees of the size you're flying over now grew out of that one you move towards Berdia at a fastish pace once you're inside the atmospheric sheath it's not like there is a heat buffer that you have to pass through there's no rocking of entering an atmosphere it's one moment you're in the vacuum of space and the next moment you're in gravity and air and it takes duma by surprise a little bit and all of the sensors and readings on your ship are taken by surprise as well when one moment you're sensing solar radiation, and the next, you're in an atmosphere. Pressure just pops the ship and makes all of your ears get really wild there for a second, your inner ear just bugging out at the quick change in pressure. The the oxygen readings, like, just assume that it's in error and start like, beep, 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 beep. Mm -hmm. This place is strange. None of you have ever been to, besides Florian, never been to somewhere that's this weird. Florian is just like, like big old grin, just like, ah, and like pot, like, uh, probably does the cow version of, uh, plugging your nose to pop your ears out. And it's just like, yeah. <laughs> Two big fingers to either side, pressing in on the nose and going, bah. <laughs> as you're approaching Berdia, Duma will turn to you, Florian, and say, is this some place where we should be hailing? Uh, <laughs> I mean, there are 
ain't really a spot to hail. Uh, I mean, don't park in the middle of town, but I don't, I don't, I mean, I don't, I doubt Berdia is big enough to have like an actual docking station. So my, yeah. No, you've got to look at this place in the <laughs> Galactic TiVo last time, and you know that there are docking pads. Just to reiterate, you know that Berdia is a, like I said, 12-building town built on top of these enormous stumps of trees. And there are these big, long bridges connecting the different stumps and the buildings thereon. A few of the stumps have been cleared specifically just to act as landing pads. Uh, yeah, I mean, should be fine just showing up. Okay, just uh, hang on to butts, I guess. We are coming in for landing soon. And you fly over a patch of trees indistinguishable from the ones you've been flying over for the last few minutes, and suddenly there's a break in the canopy that marks the city where it is built atop the wrecked remains of felled massive trees. And below you is a war zone. You see gunfire. You see buildings on fire and you see massive creatures boiling up from the woodlands crawling up the sides of stumps and attempting to get at the town um florian that is not normal <laughs> okay just about to ask uh, have we touched down yet no, you're hovering above the landing pad, and Duma's going, um... <laughs> Yay. It Should we land and help out, or, uh... Night, yeah. in a way, on this side of the mm. planet. Um, Amari, uh, perhaps mm -hmm. you would tux I'm, go I'm, do some I'm already, like, un I'm, I'm, like, I'm unhooking clips and everything, putting on my, like, worker gloves and shit like that, like, so, we're just so far ahead we'll, of you. We'll stay here. Yeah, we'll, I, stay, we'll stay here. Like, yes. Shay is, is, uh, running, like, had, like, it's, like, it's we probably weird, like, you've never seen Shay this serious before, but, like, Amari and Shay are, like, in lock, like, tandem running <laughs> And Shay is like, <laughs> yeah, powering it up. Like, I'll run through diagnostics as quickly as I can. Yeah. Great. Oswald's telling us, be like, hey, maybe you should go um, and check out those things. And he turns around to tell us these things. And we're already gone back. Yeah. We're, we're getting ready to jump out of the ship. Like, let's fucking go. Uh, yeah. I am uh, suiting up. Tux is sequestered in the holding bay of the Tiresian next to shuttle number seven that is also mm -hmm. tucked up in there. And Does so the Tiresian have like a cargo ramp the same way that uh, the shuttle number seven does? Or how, how do we how did we load this ship in the same way? It has a cargo ramp. It also has. Uh, bay doors that can be opened up mm. on the underside for the shuttle to okay. drop out of if it needs to. Okay, cool. Or an enterprising mech pilot might throw themselves straight down as well. You're goddamn right. Let's get ready for Titanfall, baby. 
Best way to enter combat. Yep. Hopefully directly on top of one of these things. Uh, yeah. So I don't know how long the read personally doesn't know how long the spin up cycle is to get uh, uh, a mech going a Yuzada class. A mere minutes. I mean, the whole point of these things is to be able to fight a war with them. So getting into the pilot seat and booting up, as it were, and becoming one with the the steel that is Tux takes mere moments. The big problem is clearing the cargo bay to give you enough space to actually... You weren't necessarily prepared for direct no. deployment. <laughs> Dropping into... Well, hopefully these people don't freak out given that there's a mech showing up and they may have potentially dealt with other people and mechs at some point. So, see how this goes. Um, uh, perhaps while uh, perhaps while Amari is Amari and Shay are gearing up, uh, Oswald suggests to Florian, uh, perhaps we should message down that we are about to assist them uh, so that oh, this mech showing up won't. Oh, I'm. I'm going down there so I can oh. I can shout at people that Amari's cool. Well, we this, also... Our ship doesn't have any weaponry, right? It's just just covered in sensors, correct? Mm -hmm. Pretty much. Got it. Does the I shuttle have weaponry? I don't the think so. No. Mm -hmm. I've got a big ass knife. I am not sure I'm going down there. <laughs> um, I mean, again, there there ain't really anyone to hail from up here, unfortunately. Yeah, you don't know what communications equipment is down below. You know there's, like, local communications and stuff. People might have... But if, but if people are fighting, I don't know that they're monitoring... <laughs> Um, how far how far up off the ground are we? Currently, three hundred yeah. feet. That's how tall. Is that good enough are. for? Is that good enough for me to drop? You've dropped from higher. Great, cool. Time to go. Hey, how um, much damage would it do to my poor mortal body if I uh, just piggyback ride down on ducks? A lot. Yeah, okay, that makes sense. Can we fly can we fly a little bit lower? <laughs> Tux has impact dampeners and uh, inertial compensators. Your oh, I don't have fleshy those? body does not <laughs> my, my fleshy body. <laughs> I mean you do, just not nearly this good. They're all natural. <laughs> mine mine were engineered specifically yeah. for three hundred foot drops. That's no, weird. Weirdly enough, no. <laughs> If, if uh, anything, and that, Oswald is more designed for 300-foot drops than Florian <laughs> due to the, the hollow bones and that he just might float down. <laughs> yes, I, uh, I'm i not quite light enough, but it's uh, not far from it. Weirdly enough, if Oswald was to jump out of this, I imagine him hitting the ground would make just like a dog-chewy, squeaky so sound, and then he would just bounce <laughs> off and be just completely fine. Oh, again, it's the beautiful sound of wind chimes. We've established this. It's hollow bones. <laughs> All right, so jumping out of this, I'd like to do some shit. Uh, oh, yeah. Can I aim? Can I aim for one of these enemy creatures to just kind of just like? Might as well. Okay. 
You can see that cool. there is a small cluster of buildings on the southern side of town where there are clearly people fighting at what appears to be an impromptu barricade firing over towards these creatures that are climbing up the stump and trying to get into town. This is not a town that was designed with fortifications other than being built on top of these big stumps. Mm -hmm. So it seems as though they've met their match in creatures that can climb. Yeah. Bombers. Okay, so I'm saying this is pretty bold, and I'm going to use my more than machine uh, talent. So let's see here. And I'll throw an aether on this too, just to make sure shit's going right. And just to be clear, is anyone else riding the mech down? No, because again, I think that that is going to hurt me. <laughs> I'll if just you have tried, drop me off. <laughs> yeah, if you had tried, I, I, Amari would just be like, get off. It's a bad idea. Don't, don't do think it would just like climb onto it. I, I don't have windshield wipers on this thing, and I don't want to have to clean you up. <laughs> Couldn't just carry me in your arms? No. Nope. <laughs> Come on. It doesn't work that way. Not how gravity works. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Although the I'm arms sure will stop, but works. the rest of your body will not. Amari, you feel that quicksilver sensation as you link up etherically with the systems of Tux. Your eyes being consumed by the visual sensors of this enormous mech. You feel your hands tighten and flex, and instinctively the exterior large mech hand will clench and unclench. Within the tight confines of the cockpit, you lose sense of your fleshy, weak body and become one etherically with Tux, the Seraph-class mech. Oh, that's right, Seraph. Yazadas are the big ones. You're a Yazada, which is a type of Seraph. Right. I don't remember the layers, Mike. Yeah, I apologize. But yes, you're okay, a Yazada, which is... <laughs> it's like, you know how Germans had the Panzers and Americans had the Abrams and they're all kind of the same tank, but... Uh, that is going to be a 15. 15 to plummet out of the sky and squish one of these things. Yeah, I want to aim my falling. Sure, yeah. I will say that the, that particular a 300-foot tactical drop to hit an enemy sounds pretty hard to me. It does. So that would make the difficulty a 20. Okay, so I don't pass them. Great. There's Fuck it. Always. Yep, yep. Get, take your fucking void die right off the goddamn bat. It's a seven <laughs> like on so top many. of that. It's twenty-two. Twenty-two. Three more, and you'd have. Nope. <laughs> nope. <laughs> As you plummet out of the sky, what does it look like when you paste one of these critters? Um, you'd think he would go for like a superhero landing. Uh, that. No need for that. Um, full full drop down. Uh, the knees uh, dampen the blow, uh, the impact, but then the fists also just come down to like widen the, the amount of damage and creatures that he can take out at the same time. Absolutely. Very much a Hulk smash. Mm -hmm. There is an abrupt stop 
of the fire coming from the interior of the city. Just a very, <laughs> a very faint. What in tarnation? <laughs> this. How, how tall would you say Tux is? I think we determined like fifteen feet, something like that. Yeah, yeah, somewhere probably between fifteen and twenty feet. Uh huh. This just Goliath of a metal monster plummets out of the sky and <laughs> pastes. This enormous lizard-like creature with six limbs that was pulling itself up onto the stump, and it is just reduced to a vat of beef stroganoff that has exploded across the wood of <laughs> this stump. And you lurch back up as the legs decompress and push Tux up to his full height. Uh, Mike, is there a, I, I, we talked about messaging them down. Is there like a PA that I could just like play speaker over from, from our shuttle? Yeah, that's probably a loudspeaker over the ship. Yeah. Um, I know, I know we used to shoot to thrill earlier. That's that's true. That's true. We did. And once again, we shall also do that. Um, uh, but uh, attention citizens of Verdia, you're receiving assistance from the Cole Foundation. Uh, just so they know. <laughs> just so they know. Being, just so that they're not being attacked by more mech uh, pilots. Um, mm-hmm. And then I play Shoot to Thrill um, from our ship. Perfect. Oh, it's going to be some good killing now. The Tiresian is slowly winding its way closer to the surface as this is happening. And so there are heads glancing up at this descending ship, the running lights of which are illuminating this battlefield that is happening between a couple of buildings. And as you're descending and as the mech stands back up, there's a slight whoop from the defenders at the battlements. I mean, I say battlements, the the turned over and nailed together tables and chairs and desks that make this barricade. It works. Yeah. There is there is a like very charismatic young man <laughs> waving a flag. It's it's very moving. He's immediately eaten by a giant lizard. Yes, and... he is. It's unfortunate, but he dies holding the hand of his best friend. <laughs> well, Me- meanwhile, in the back, hand, the severed arm. Yes, is holding the hand of his best friend. And meanwhile, in the Telling background, uh, Akalarian Robespierre is going, you die for the good of the nation. Um, God <laughs> damn it, Akalarian Robespierre. <laughs> as you descend, uh, what is everybody else doing? As Amari makes oh, a dramatic full, I'm full Tendo Choi mode. I'm looking at sensors. I'm checking levels. Okay. You are attempting to help even out the systems of Tux remotely? Yes. Okay. Mm. That sounds like an Aether Tech roll to me. Okay. What's everybody else doing? Uh, are, I, we sure I'm, are we sure I'm not using my engineering skills? <laughs> Dism- I, yeah, absolutely. Uh, okay. Engineering as well. Yeah. Thank you. Sorry to interrupt. Yeah, it's okay. Um, I'm getting ready to get off and get in into this at what point do you want to exit the ship 
um, at the point that I can, like, fucking rappel down. <laughs> Probably out of the same cargo doors that... Uh... Okay. Yeah, let's assume that there's some kind of line system set up that you could clip onto and zip down from the bay of this ship. I would say the longest length of rope you probably have is about 90 feet. It's like, would it probably make more sense to just wait for the ship to land and then get out then? Yes, but Florian is not that smart. Mm -hmm. As you descend, uh, Oswald, what are you up to? Besides uh, announcing. Uh, I'm going to try and watch the battlefield from above and just to give like updates on movements of enemies just to kind of so that uh, Amari is aware of like where enemies are coming from and what to focus on. Okay. Uh, whether or not he wants to listen to that at all is t entirely up to him. Okay. He's I'll backseat driving Tux. Alright. Uh, there was a roll happening. Yes. Um, can I see uh, our the battery packs that we brought? Yeah, from where I'm sitting? Okay. I'm gonna snatch an aether from one of those while I'm at the control center. Okay. When you do, you get two aether. Welcome okay. to Akalar, babies! <laughs> okay. Uh, okay, that's pretty good. Um, that is a 22 again, actually. 22. I think that other one was a 22. You see the immense amount of stress that was just put on the, the leg joints of Tux and are attempting to reroute power and compensate for uh, pressure eruptions from certain joists in the legs you know it's going to need some repair work later you yeah. also know that this sort of jump is usually accompanied by some kind of you know flight apparatus on the mech it's usually not just a straight jump down yeah there's definitely a like un like under my breath like i can't believe he's doing this to my baby mm -hmm. Did you use an uh, engineering specialty on this? Uh, yes. I can do that. Mm -hmm. What is that die size? Uh, D8. D8. Uh, Reed, you may add a D8 to whatever your next roll using Tux is. Ooh. Spicy. Damn, we should never leave this place. <laughs> I know, right? As you have landed and are standing back up and staring around, you hear a whooping coming from the defenders behind you. Your auditory sensors picking up that and a little pinged on your like HUD, letting you know that the sound came from that direction. It was this many feet away, and it was like mm. indicators of like possible humanoid contacts. Little pips on your mini map that is even now acquiring more and more information from the surrounding area indicates where those noise points may be in the surrounding area. You see almost a tactical 3D map beginning to construct itself and the mini map over to one side as your mech is taking in more and more data from the surrounding area and constructing a map of where you are. 
And it seems to be doing this at an incredibly quick rate. You don't know what it is about this place, but Tuck seems to be moving at an incredible pace. Something about the Aether in this place makes it incredibly easy to acquire data and do this sort of quick calculation for the mech. Hmm. This, uh, this, this planet's a freaking battery. I love it. Uh, cool. Is there a specific, uh, like, can, based on the minimap, uh, can I discern where these creatures are coming from? Or are they kind of coming from all sides? They appear to be climbing up the edifice of the stump. So the lip of the stump is about 20 feet ahead of you. You crushed mm -hmm. the lizard things that were on the field, as it were, coming towards the ramshackle <laughs> barricade. Uh, but there are clearly more coming up from below. Uh, great. Uh, I would like to make my way over to like the edge and then just pot shots down the side of the stump uh, as they're climbing up towards me. And what weapon are you using to do this? Uh, I'm going to use the uh, Tux's like long barrel gun. All it's right. the only ranged weapon he's got. Yeah, absolutely. Rather than have you roll for individual kills, I just want to get mm -hmm. one big roll here for you defending this position mm -hmm. uh, to get you to a point where you're not actively still shooting at live targets. Okay. So this will be a pretty incredible role for a single mech to defend this redoubt of defenders here. Uh, could I assist? You already By have. like... Oh, okay. Oh, that's true! I gave you a D8. I forgot. Could, uh, could I assist? If I'm down here? Sure. At some point during this, Florian could repel down. Uh, I know that Tux is getting uh, super fast information. I don't know if Oswald's rambling is, is helpful, but they... Yeah, yeah absolutely. Because what Tux can see can really only be within a certain radius, whereas you have the mm. high ground and can see a much bigger field of view. All right. Well, then you can roll a d6 for my perception. Okay, so this is what I'm going to be working with here. So I've got, I'm going to say this is pretty bold. Um, one man army and whatnot. Uh, mm -hmm. So I got a D10 for that. I am going to use two D6 from Tux's Aether Pool. I am going to use uh, a D8 from my own Aether, uh, Aether Pool. I've got another D8 from Shay. And then, uh, do I get things from both uh, uh, Florian and Oswald? You're getting a D6 from Oswald's perception. Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, I, so, could I potentially add my D6 in survival and give, do I know, I know what these things are, right? You do, but only because of what you saw in the... So these are the big lizard things that were in Big Tree. Okay. Yeah. Bummer. Oh, well, then, yeah, bummer. Okay, uh, JK okay. on my assistant. Okay. So let's see here. Let's, let's roll them bones. You also get an extra D6 because you pulled Aether from Tux. 
Oh, okay. Let's add that extra six then. You don't know what it is, but there's just some extra juice in the air. Okay. Juice. Get you some of that sip. Sip. <laughs> uh, nine. That's fifteen. Nineteen. Twenty-two. Twenty-four. Tw- uh, D7. Thirty-one. Nice. More, and you have that critical. <laughs> yeah. Just take a quick look at how many void dice Mike has. Yeah, I, I don't want to look. I don't have the web page open because it's it makes a lot. Me, it, yeah. It's a lot. I gave him one earlier tonight, mm-hmm. so that's all you're getting from me. Well, So from on high, Oswald giving you pointers on where these things are approaching from in the distance. You get a quick bead on these things as they're trying to scramble up the south side of this stump. And between that, Tux's highlighted readouts, the way in which the system seems to be compensating for your movements, which you know is the remote activity of your stalwart engineer up above, as well as keen pointers from Florian, who has landed nearby. Florian, have you ever done any zip lining? I This seems like a planet where that would be a thing. So I... Yeah, I mean, the very, very first episode, I think we established that uh, Florian had his own, like, line. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, uh, that the Cole Foundation provided stuff, but Florian just, like, had one of his own. <laughs> Absolutely. So, zipping down from the ship from about 80 feet up is less of an issue than it might be for somebody else. And as you cascade down, there is more cries and people pointing as this ship is hovering just above this firefight that's happening. So air and dust is being kicked up as the uh, the the aethite power drives of this ship are working to keep it aloft, uh, actively working against gravity and the weird gravity of this place, plus all the extra aether in the air. The, the the Tiresians working hard to not, you know, just plummet. This is not a craft necessarily designed for hovering actions. But Duma is doing his job well. And as you descend, there are shouts from people behind the barricade. And you see people popping up and pointing. And with that can-do Akalar spirit, as Amari begins potting at creatures that are climbing up the side of the stump there's a couple of shouts and you see three people vaulting over the barricade guns in hand coming to get to the edge of the stump and help you shoot these things as they're coming up i think in response to like the kind of like whoops that people are giving florian does one back it's like it's very uh it's very (laughs) it's very wild westy it's cute there's a yeehaw among those who join in the fight Amari you're a little focused on the target to target precision that you're taking so you're less concentrated on the small squishy people that are now quote unquote helping but (laughs) the whereas you're taking these things down in like single burst rounds of just like 
target, boom, dead, target, boom, dead. They're, like, taking pot shots at these things, and it takes several of them several shots to even do a little bit of damage to whatever these creatures are. And so they're helping, like, distract them at best. So your attention isn't necessarily on the distraction squad. Yours is in confirming the kill. But Florian... Every bullet helps. Every every bullet helps. Especially when no one is firing bullets. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Thankfully, everyone here is using Aether-based weaponry. But as this group that is vaulted over the barricade approaches and begins helping shoot, Florian, you would recognize two of them. One is a man, Midrian, with slightly longer than standard Legion haircut. He has kind of paler than what you would expect skin, the that of a spacer, and you immediately recognize the man named Harcourt. And he is at the edge here, firing downward with a rifle. A rifle that you recognize because he escaped with it from the death trap he had found himself in. Yeah. The other you recognize is a lichen with this immense sniper rifle that is at the edge, placing a pod foot on the lip and just taking time to line up shots and firing and hitting these things at the exact same time that Amari is. And Oh, hell yeah. It's badass as hell, I'm sure. They will look up towards you and their eyes will get wide for a second as they make eye contact with you. And as Eider takes a step back and looks at you, Florian, they will say as much, Florian? So you, uh, you didn't get my email, huh? And then he'll shoot. (laughs) And Eider will say, we've been a little busy. Uh, yeah, I can tell what the uh what the hell is going on Yulin uh, will want to speak with you just like more more shooting and maybe later for, and yeah for flooring just like oh god yeah and as you continue to rain hell down on these creatures you successfully defend this little slice of the township of Berdia. After a long beat when the last of these creatures is fired upon, you begin to realize that you didn't kill the last of them, they stopped coming up. There's movement down there. It's probably another 200 feet down to the forest floor here. The stump is immense that you're standing on. And the root systems move out and away like low foothills of some big mountain. And these creatures are disappearing down into those roots, vanishing from sight. And it's only when you look up and stare around you begin to realize that the sun is beginning to rise on Berdia. 
the dawn banishing the monsters back into the deep dark woods. The Berdeans are beside themselves with appreciation for the sudden help. The Tiresian finds a place to land on the outskirts of town on one of the big cleared stumps and there is a general sense of relief come the morning as sunken, exhausted eyes glance at these newcomers who herald themselves as the Coal Foundation enter their midst in dramatic fashion. Familiar faces, familiar to Florian anyway, are here and there. The individual known as Harcourt, seemingly unaware of his significance to you, goes about his business. Some of you mark his presence. But as the sniper rifle-wielding Lycan shoulders their rifle and looks at you quizzically, Florian, and the name Eulen is brought up, saying that he's here and he wants to speak to you. Yeah, that, uh... Or he'll want to speak to you. Yeah. That sounds about right. Uh... Well, might as well... Might as well go. As you're all welcomed as call it what it is heroes oh it feels good it feels so good (laughs) amari give me a perception roll of some kind okay uh got a d6 in perception Call this swift, actually. Yeah, I was gonna say I don't think it's much of anything. Maybe, maybe cleverly, but I swiftly seems more apt. Uh, seven. Hmm. You feel somebody watching you. You don't know where it's coming from or who it is, but as you turn around and glance at the small crowd that's forming near the center of town, you can't help but note the absence of the man you've come here to find. Great. Good. Cool. Awesome. What kind of welcome awaits our adventurers here in the town of Berdia, though? I think we'll have to wait till next time. Because as you found yourself in the middle of a war zone, monsters on the left of you, and intrigue on the right... (laughs) Here I am. (laughs) We will find exactly what you are, in fact, stuck in the middle with next time. Because as always, you can find us online at MatcomRPG on Twitter and Instagram. You can also email us at MaterialComponentsRPG at gmail.com. We always love hearing from all of our listeners. You can find me on Twitter at cryoutolivia. I am always there talking about D&D and other RPGs and also just a lot of other nerd stuff. So come hang out. You can find me on Twitter at Elliot C. Lewis. 
I'm an illustrator and graphic designer, doing a lot of tabletop RPG and other fan art. You can also support me on Patreon and Coffee. Links to both of those are in my Twitter profile. You can find me at the Readamus on Instagram and Twitter, where I post jokes and lots and lots of photos of nature. So come check it out. And you cannot find me on social media, but what you can do is support our show by rating and reviewing it on whatever platform you're listening to it on. Please, please, please do so. Indeed, and finally, you can find me personally on Twitter and Instagram at MKGorgoni, where I'm always happy to talk about all things material components. But as always, the world is chaos, so please, be kind to each other. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye. Bye. Goodbye. Bye.